When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Hey there, folks. Welcome in to another edition of the Winning Plays Podcast. My name is Brian Robb, and we have breaking news out of the gate. Rich Levine is back after a paternity leave after the last few weeks. Mike Pina is still off today. He's got a big thing coming up tomorrow. We'll talk about that next week. But for now, was it paid? Was it paid paternity leave? Did we did we discuss that? Yeah, we're going through the benefits package still. I think Rich. This is America, Rich. (laughs) (laughs) But Rich Levine is back. Uh, Ryan Bernoni here as always um, during this off season. And uh, Rich, what a what a time to come back into the fold on the eve of free agency with Gordon Hayward uh, turning down thirty four million dollars on a player option just hours ago. Um, we'll just go around horn here to start. Ryan and I have talked about this a lot, but Rich, it'll be good to get what, just your fresh, uh, fresh perspective here to, to begin. Uh, my first, my first perspective is of what an anticlimactic deadline that was, huh? Uh, yeah. I mean, we're waiting, we're waiting all week for Tuesday and then waiting all week for Thursday. The deadline comes and still everything is pretty much in play. Yeah. Am I right in saying this? Like, so we know, we know that he's not going to be back for one year at 34 or whatever it is. I don't think so, but Everything else is still in play. It's not like he's gone. It's not like he still can't come back. It's not like there are the trades aren't still potentially in the mix. I, I, my first reaction was just anticlimactic. I wanted a little bit more from today's deadline. It would be hilarious if he re-signs for one year, thirty-four point two million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> thirty-four point one. Danny's a stickler. Yeah, <laughs> just like make him pay for that extra time. But to be honest, I was I was thinking about I was texting people earlier in the last earlier like in the last couple of hours just thinking about like the potential end games here. And like, I, I do wonder if something like that is on the table for him. Like maybe if a player top option attached to that in the case where it's like, that's a clear alternative to obviously him walking away from nothing to the Celtics. But if he isn't willing to commit here long-term and doesn't want to be traded to a place that he doesn't want to go to, then it's like, that could be a conceivable like, middle ground i don't even know i mean that sounds wild to even speculate about but like where I, it's i have trouble seeing what the end game is here beyond a sign and trade right now uh so i i mean my number just from like we have more clarification on a number of different things that have happened we're still waiting to see what exactly is going on with this memphis trade for the the 30th pick i don't think there's been a, a formal announcement of exactly what that is and i've been sort of speculating that maybe that includes Cantor. um but I don't have any way of knowing that for sure. They, uh, Vince, Vince Aquare is now uh, on the way out to, um, to Oklahoma City, and we know that they did move the 30th pick. So like, we have a little bit better numbers now. So the, what I've come up with is like, if they could offer him three years, $69 million, right around there, mm-hmm. which is a, a good number because um, there's different ways you could like, structure it with some other moves, but I think they could get like right under the tax with that. Uh, if it was Cantor was out, They'd obviously have to sign other players to fill out the roster and you have to bring another center in and spend a little bit of money there. But like you can make it work where if you start about 25 million, then you can come in like right under the tax 
tax and then have it descend. So you're not spending quite as much in the next couple of years when you're gonna be back over the tax. If Cantor's in, you can make it ascending. You can sort of flip the money around. Um, but that number right there, like dodges the tax this year, would give him the 34 million that he opted out of, and then basically a two-year 35 million a year or 35 million total extension on top of that, which seems like you know sort of fair market price, maybe a little bit below what people think. But you get that 34 million back in as well, and like that would seem to be like if there's any chance of him coming back. And that's not like a new number, right? We've been kicking around numbers right. like that for the, the idea of the opt-out and re-sign from the beginning. And so if you think there's any chance of him coming back, I think that number is still sort of the most likely, but it's no longer a point of like, is it like, it would have to be 60 million. Could they go to 80 million? No, it's sort of like, okay, we're, it's right around that 70 number um, where they could get the value of, of staying under the tax. And, and really the, the value of that is avoiding the repeater at some point in the future. Right. right? That's um, the spending. Yeah. And, so, then, and then how, how much more, Ryan? So we know, we know like Charlotte can go as high as like 19, right? How much more, yeah. I, I, neither, none of us think that the Knicks or the Hawks are going to max out Gordon Hayward, right? That's yeah. not Nobody's going to max him. No. So what, so what's realistically, how much more do you think that he can get in one of these two other places? I don't know if there's that much more out there in a three-year deal. It's possible that somebody will go a fourth year or three years and then a fourth year player option, whatever it might be. Uh, and that there could be more total money out there for sure. Is there somebody willing to go for a hundred? You know, maybe I would think maybe somebody would go, you know, for a hundred, but the the last year is half guaranteed or something like that. Like, you know, you sort of fudge the numbers a little bit. That's still a lot. Um, I think for the risk that you're taking with, with his health, I mean, maybe you guys are just like, no, you know, these, there are people who think that these are not like injuries that are injury prone injuries, right? They're all just sort of like freak injuries. I think that's a hard thing to sell, especially as he moves into his thirties. So I don't know if there's that much money more than that out there. I think there's. I don't a even know if of, that much money is yeah. out there. Period. No. I, well, I think like, I think three seventy is probably out there somewhere. I think that Atlanta, maybe the Knicks, maybe uh, Charlotte can't really get there unless it's a sign and trade. Although we work, you know, there's a good relationship between the teams you know, based on what what they did last year. And they could try to Indiana. dump a salary too. Like Charlotte could, yeah, you could move a little salary and, and then make some more room. But I look, you could go right back to Indiana and like salary match off of, of course, Miles Turner, the name that always comes no. up here, and you get back into the same sort of number again. It's like, but I think that that that's sort of the number where he's most likely to. And maybe we all just are shocked and it gets blown away. And there's like, oh my god, why would anybody give him that that offer? Sometimes that happens, but only takes one. Yeah, totally right. I mean, that's what it is. Like the Knicks get left out of everything else, and they're sitting there going, well, we gotta we got to make the salary floor somehow. And we don't want to, you know, we want somebody to throw lobs to our 18 power forwards. I, I don't know. B-Rob, what was that? No. So at this point, assuming, assuming that Gordon, because I mean, Mannix just, Chris Max just tweeted before we started recording. This is uh, Thursday night that we're doing this, that, that Gordon Hayward has most likely played his last game in a Celtic uniform. Yeah. Uh, and if that's the case, don't you think Miles Turner is a pretty good return? No, like I don't, I don't think that's good value in that contract. Like in a, in a, would you like Miles Turner over nothing next year? Absolutely. Like he's, you know, a slightly above average player for a center. But when he's, when he's making $20 million um, for the next two years on top of that, and you could, you know, have a center for like half the money, that's pretty much as good. I prefer that option over committing money to Turner that, will kind of squeeze your flexibility. So the, my guess is if, if Hayward is, 
his heart's intent on going to Indy, and there are, you know, plenty of reasons to think that is the case in some form here, um, then it is, you know, just a chess match between the Celtics front office and, and Pritchard with the Pacers in terms of being like, give us something beyond Turner that we want to make us do this. And trade him his son, his son, Peyton. <laughs> I mean, you know how much I, you know, my sort of yeah. general dislike for Miles Turner. I think you would still have to do it if it was that or nothing. Um, but would it have to be that or nothing? Cause it's like that Hayward has to have somewhere else to go in that situation. And that's where I think the Knicks and the Hogs come into play here because I'm not convinced like they are going to be waiting around for, with an offer for Hayward. Like if you look at the names out there, on the free agent market with only two teams of serious cap room here. Like you're talking Van Fleet, Christian Wood, you know, Joe Harris, obviously could stay put Montrez Harrell, Millsap, Gallinari, Jeremy Grant, Bertans, Bogdanovich, Cobble Pope. Some of those guys are staying put, but some of those guys aren't staying put. And all it takes is like two offers from those teams and Hayward's leverage goes away just like that. So what do the Celtics do in that situation? Like in your, in your mind? That's, I mean, that's a question. Like, I mean, do you want him back? Do you want, like, is that, is that, like, it seems like it might be time for them to go their separate ways. I mean, I that's think. a, yeah, I agree with you, Rich, in terms of like, if he wants out, then I say, okay, we'll get, I want something else beyond just Turner from Indy. That's a value there. Like, or because, or I'd rather just have Hayward on a year and then maybe you, you know, like you said, you do that player option or you, you trade him mid-season or something like that. You hold out for something a little bit Well, that's bit what I'm longer. saying. Like, if you're saying that's off the table, if you're going under the premise that there's no way he's coming back and he would sign, he would go to New York, whatever. And, and like, your options are, I'm going to go sign in New York or, you're, or you can trade me to Indiana and they're saying they will send back Miles Turner to make it work. And, like, if you just cut everything else out and those are the only two options, would you go to whoever he's signing with and, and say, we'll give you a draft pick to make this a sign and trade and we'll take a, a trade exception. They might say no to that. Even then, I don't know. Um, like, would you rather have a trade exception or would you rather have miles Turner? Um, I almost I would rather have a would... trade. Exce- I mean, probably maybe Turner for the, like, obviously, obviously Turner for next year, but depending on how big that trade exception is, like, I just don't see Turner's value increasing at all. I think that's not going to be a, plus contract at all during its reign. I mean, I, I could be wrong. You but know like, I don't either. Right. I mean, my end is not for Bradley Beal. Yeah. Do you like, do you like Miles Turner, Rich? Like what's... I mean, 20 million isn't what it used to be, right? Like that's, right. that's actually like not that much money. I mean, you're talking about a, a starting NBA center who can shoot, who can block shots, like literally led the, the, the league in block shots. Um, and what, he doesn't rebound. Right. Right. Is that, what, what, what are you guys big, big knocks on Miles Turner? Again, and and he's in, he in this situation. Million dollars for a center is basically my knock on him. He's a fine. I mean, he's a okay. He's an average starting center, and like you can get those guys for five million dollars. So why pay eighteen million to to any of them? Can um, you? Sure, we the Celtics I mean, have, and it, have Daniel Tice five million dollars, fourth best you, you, in the you, league. You, like, you don't think that's an upgrade? That Turner's an upgrade yeah. on Tice? I mean. I've been in this argument over and over with different people. I don't think, I think it's a, you know, a slight downgrade. Uh, if you want to tell me it's a slight upgrade, you know, with, depends on the matchup. Sort of. Either way, um, you're, either way you're saying it's slight and the money doesn't, doesn't make Yeah. That's my main yeah. problem with it. Yeah. Uh, and now Tice 
every time you spend $5 million on Saturday, you don't get, it doesn't work out as well as Daniel Tice. I completely understand that. But just look at the center market this year and who has money. And it's like somebody good and, and just good and reliable is going to go for the tax, you know, the tax MLE. Yeah. And, like, and again, it's not necessarily that the Celtics will be able to be the team that signs those players. There's a, a number of teams are going to be looking for them. But like, it just isn't, doesn't seem to me a good use of resources. But, but really, like to, the reason I would do it is because I want matching salary and a name player that I can try to trade for Bradley Beal in a year. And if you that sign somebody, right you know, if you pick somebody up out of the scrap heap into a, into a trade exception, that player just got dumped for basically nothing or maybe one draft pick. Like, how much value do they really have? And there's a lot of, like, just anchoring, right? On, like, what are people's perceptions of what a player is worth? And would Washington can sit, you know, see 24, 25-year-old Miles Turner as being better than whatever you could get with trade exception if ultimately that's, like, your end game? It's I want to be able to trade in, in a year for Bradley Beal or in two years or three years for Devin Booker. Like, that's what you're hoping for, to sort of how this play out. And, and including Kemba and all that stuff is, is one way to make all the money work. But that's more complicated because obviously a team trading away Bradley Beal isn't going to necessarily want Kemba Walker. And it just, it just sort of simplifies certain things. And even if it means that you have to pay $18 million for a center who I don't particularly like for a year and risk getting stuck with him and having him not improve in any way, it's like, I think you have to just sort of bite the bullet and do it. If, if literally your only other option is like, we can get a TPE, but we have to pay a first round pick in order to make it happen. That's, that's pretty bad too. But even then though, like you look at, again, I, the, this staring match or the posturing match between, you know, the Bartlestein is, is trying to work right now and creating, you know, Hayward opting out, the biggest thing he did was create, you know, he still has the leverage. He still has the, the walk factor um, for nothing. But that could be gone by the end of Friday night if, uh, if the Knicks and the Hawks use a big chunk of their cap room. And then at that point, who do you guys think is in control, Rich? When if Hayward has nowhere to go, he doesn't want to come back, where, you know, and you don't like, and if you're Danny Ainge and you don't, like Miles Turner, you just don't like what they're offering in a sign and trade. Like what, what do you do in that spot when Hayward has no other real, you know, recourse? Yeah. I mean, I guess a lot of it comes down to the real reason why Gord might not want to be here anymore. Like, do you guys think it's, it's more money or it's more like, you know, both sides tried, like the luck has been really shitty. Um, and maybe he, you know, he, like you said, he wasn't pitched come be the fourth option with, with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and, and Kemba Walker, right? That that wasn't why he came here, and maybe he wants to re- leave for other reasons. What do you like? Wait, what what do you think? Is it more money? Or is it more fit? Is he, does he want to change the scenery, or he wants to to get more money guaranteed? I mean, he's not going to get more money. He'll get more. He can get more money guaranteed over multiple years, right? But like, yeah, as we started out saying, like, it's not going to get anywhere close to thirty-four next year oh yeah no we're talking about like um, a, a longer term deal but is so it, you'd have to really be thinking like i'm i'm gonna have a bad enough year in boston where like there aren't gonna be any better options next year and some of the stuff like covid and the cap not going up it the market's gonna be a little bit tighter than we thought next year but like there's still gonna be a lot of money out there and if he believes that he is the level of player who can go out and lead some other team then you think he would believe that he can have a good enough year next year in order to, to get another contract i think it's more the, the other option and it's that he doesn't he doesn't like it here uh He's, he thinks it's cursed. His family doesn't particularly like it here, maybe. Um, he doesn't like the role that he's in. He wants to reestablish himself as an all-star. He views himself as something different than what, uh, you know, what I think he actually is at this point. Uh, and you put all that together, and it's, 
yeah, just looking for something new, a, a career change sort of sort of deal is my guess. But you know, it's not like he's given us a lot of information. <laughs> he went to the last second just to tell us if he was coming back or not. Uh, I don't I don't think there's been a whole lot more um, in terms of being forthcoming about this kind of stuff. And the headline still might be he, he can still come back. You know, right. Even with yeah, as you said, it started yeah. out. You know, as you started out saying, like this, nothing, not a whole lot has actually changed here. So, <laughs> it's it's fascinating from that standpoint. Like, just how I mean, I think it would it's safe to assume that he's obviously looking around and you know coming back to Boston is far from a you know option number one for him. But is it a what's the difference between that versus like I don't want to go back no matter what. And, you know, maybe he wanted to see, hey, what, what can I get out there? And, you know, he wasn't going to know for sure what he could get out there unless he opted out here and clearly take the ball out of the Celtics' hands in terms of, you know, he loses all control and the Celtics probably are going to trade him or at least try to trade him on a $34 million option if he's not going to, you know, play ball or signal that he's willing to stick around. Um and so maybe this is a way to just, you know, he tests the water here and there's not much there. Um, and so he, it's eventually coming back to the Celtics. It's not the, the ideal thing that he wants, but maybe for one more year, it's what makes the most sense for, for him. I don't know if it would make sense for the Celtics um, just to take him back for a year, as opposed to obviously getting back some future resources for him, but that would be an interesting decision if it, if it comes to that. And let's say he, there's a chance that he, he comes back and if he can somehow stay healthy, he could have a really, really good year and the Celtics could still be really, really good. Oh yeah. You know, that, that, that is a, a reality. That's their highest upside play. I think um, for next year, for sure is him back. Um, Neesmith fills the bench void for shooting. Uh, you know, Lankford, Rob Williams, currently, you know, other bench guys developed, they still can add a pretty, they could add a player for 9 million with the mid level that could be real useful off the bench. And now you got a team there. Um, again, that involves Hayward being there though, to, to, to maximize that. Yeah. So just the, uh, on the sort of some of the edge stuff around, around that, uh, if he comes back, I am guessing they would not spend the mid level. Um, be too close to the roster. Yeah partly for tax purposes, partly just because of roster count. So like, again, if you, if Cantor's out, then there's a little bit more money to, to maybe spend there and, and kind of a need for another veteran solid center, you would think. Um, so there's a little bit in there, but like, I don't know how much more there would be in, a, in terms of improvement other than just internal improvement of which should be substantial. Like the player that Jason Tatum is this year is going to be better than the player he was last year, the player Jalen Brown. And I know Langford is looking like it's going to be another, injury hit season he right might, day one. He like might be out for at least on. like half the season if it's he's so, it's such cast in training camp. And it's, yeah, I mean, to come back for that basically one play, get injured again, now have multiple injuries, missing the beginning of your second year and a condensed count, like all that. We could maybe for another day, but um, there should be quite a bit of internal improvement. I think that's where most of it would, would come from. But yeah, in terms of one year upside, him coming back in, in some manner, I think it would be very difficult for him to come back for one year for less than what he just left for though. And I don't think there's a scenario where the Celtics would re-sign him for that amount, considering that it would be 15 million into the luxury tax. And would they be better off just at that point, just saying like, I don't like MLE signings in general. I think that historically they're just bad to pay the full MLE. But again, in the situation of like trying to build up some salary for trades on the line, would you just, 
sign somebody for the MLE at that point for three years and like say that that's better than bringing him back for that full amount. And it, it just, it's hard. It would be hard for his agent. It would be hard for him to like opt out, come back for, you know, basically one year. And as you talked about, maybe the second year is a player option. You can make some things balance out like that. But um, that's why I sort of come down on that like three year number of like, Hey, we are actually going to, we don't want this to be a situation where from day one, everything is still strained and everything is still up in the air. We need some amount of settling here of like, right. Hey, we're, we're both are agreeing that we are going to be together here for at least a couple of years again. Uh, otherwise there's just such like a, a cloud hanging over everything as well. And it's, it's hard for me to see. And I get the idea of like, if there's no other options out there, but if there's no other options out there, I think that's when you come back to like three sixty-five million, three sixty-eight million, seventy million, right? Like in that sort of range. And that's better for everybody unless it's really, if he doesn't want to be in Boston, then he's going to find some way to leave. I agree. And so. I, I just, I wonder if it's at that point. NFL football continues on this week, which has a few surprise teams at the top of the standings. And you might not be able to be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. No matter how the schedules change or players that play, Bet Online is going that extra mile to make sure you can get in on every game this season with the fastest updated odds in the industry. There are always more options to wager than anywhere else online. So head on over to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great midseason bonuses, offers, and contests. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And now back to the show. Rich, where's, where's Brad Stevenson in all this, do you think? Yeah, because he, he seemed to suggest that he's kind of staying out of this, right? Yeah, that's what he was I mean, last night. And he, I mean, he said, he's like, you know, like he said, him and Gordon have had so many conversations over the years before they even came to Boston, obviously. Um, and like you said, I think that Gordon's kind of just taken this with his agent. Like it's become a business right now. And Brad seems to be saying, like, he knows that I'm here if he needs to talk, but like, Gordon has all the information that he probably needs at this, at this moment. And, and that's not to say that the conversations aren't happening, happening with Gordon's side and Danny, but I, I wonder how much Brad is having a say in it. It's probably easier for him to step out. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think so. I mean, this is a, I mean, it's probably been tough enough to watch him go through this. If you're Brad Stevens the last few years and now, you know, getting in the middle of something like this makes it even tougher. But I do wonder like, you know, what is the case, you know, if you're the Celtics with, with Hayward right now and he's, you know, he's obviously shown his, not his regrets or just, you know, his concerns about coming back and his role and, you know, whether this is the right spot for him, like where, what can, can the team do anything, you know, better to sell him? Hey, it, like next year, you know, we're going to rest Kemba more. So we're going to give you more opportunities. Or is it at a point where it's like, Hey, sorry, like we have these two really great young players and, you keep getting hurt. So like, what do you want us to tell you? They should give him Al Horford's phone number in, in case he doesn't. Yeah, that's, right. that's so true. I <laughs> say, give this, give, give this guy a call and, and ask him how, how Oklahoma city is. <laughs> oh, I mean, so the true. selling point, the selling point to me is pretty straightforward, right? Do you want to go play for the Knicks or do you want to go play for an NBA championship? And if yeah. he wants to go play for the Knicks still, that just tells you something about where he is in his career and in his decision-making. It's like, you can't, there's no getting around that problem, right? If he's like, I want to go be the best player on a team. Well, that team's not going to be any good. All, all the power to him, by the way, if, if he, if, if he wants to go, go yeah. for it. But that's not a player that you then want to commit multiple years to. If like, if his starting point is, I want to, I want to be the, you know, be the man. Okay. That's you certainly wouldn't be the first player who's wanted that, but you're going to, you're going to do that for a team that's not going to make the playoffs or that's going to be the AC and, and get swept out, whatever. Um, I, 
like sort of going back to the Brad Stevens thing, I, I think that's an issue <laughs> to me. I think there's quite a bit of shine like off the Brad Stevens aura at this point, those shine and aura don't make any sense together. But um, for one thing, like, yeah, it's easier for him to step out of it, but he is the head coach of the Boston Celtics and he makes a lot of money to like coach, manage sure. the team. Um, and he couldn't make it work with Kyrie Irving. And that has led to one of their direct rivals having Kyrie Irving and the player who they had, you know, basically went and got Kyrie hoping to be able to attract or at least one of them. Actually, two of their rivals have the two players that they were trying to attract with Kyrie Irving, one in LA and one in Brooklyn. Um, and he couldn't really make that relationship work. Um, the breakdown of that relationship, as well as financial reasons led to Al Horford leaving, is stuff that we talked about last episode, right? It's These are all things that you can talk about independently. And then you get into late playoff series and like he's had a couple times where you've looked at it and been like, he's kind of getting out coached as well, like in the actual games in the series. And this is not to say that Brad Stevens should be fired. This is not to say that he's not a good coach, but you know, each year that, and some of this is just, this is what happens as you stay in a place longer and longer each year. Some of the shine does come off of like, he's hasn't shown the greatest ability to manage established veteran stars. And he hasn't shown that he is like the absolute best, tactical coach in, in games and he has a very long contract and he makes a, a good amount of money. And like some of these things are like, okay, well it's easier for him to step out of the Gordon Hayward conversation, but it's also like important to the future of the Boston Celtics that this is all resolved in a way that is amenable to everybody. And if he has any way of helping that, then I would suggest that he should. Sure. Um, but, the, but the question I think becomes like, what is helping that? Like in Kyrie's case, like, do you think the Celtics would be better off right now if, if they patched it up with Kyrie and convinced him to stay? I don't probably because he would have. They probably would have brought Kevin Durant. I mean, so so I, I don't. So you so you think the the Nets are in a better place than the Celtics right now? Well, if you had Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum, that would be pretty good, right? That would be pretty good. But we're talking about we're talking about Durant off his Achilles. We're talking about Kyrie, sure. who ha- has not since that since that one series with LeBron has not shown that he's a guy you necessarily want to count on. Like the guy literally quit in a, in a playoff series. I don't know if that's all about his relationship with Brad Stevens as about his, his relationship with himself, probably more than that. Yeah. I don't think he quit. I think he threw the series. Like maybe I'm on the far end of the extreme, right, here, so, but I think he wanted to get out of Boston. It was like, if we keep winning these series, then I may have to, that's going to be harder for me to leave. And was like, I'm going to start losing these games. Right. I who we replaced him with and Kemba has his own, challenges in terms of being you know being at the the very top end of the playoffs as well I think so in terms of like it's difficult to get away from the fact that uh Anthony Davis changed teams and made it very clear that he did not want to come to the Celtics and because Kevin Durant did in fact team up with Kyrie Irving and it's not with the Celtics like I, I don't know those that is pretty clearly what they were planning to try to achieve and you can say that it you know, looking at it today, maybe whether you would like it or not, but like what they were trying to achieve didn't happen because of a pretty significant breakdown between the team and a star player. Sure. But yeah, I just don't know if I want to think of Brad Stevens again, the, 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 the second part that you're talking about tactical, like what happened against the heat, especially with Spolstra again, losing the Spolstra is not, you know, losing to the best. Right. But you don't think of Brad Stevens as a guy who's going to get out coached. We have seen that happen, but I just don't necessarily think his relationship with the players, it, it doesn't concern me losing Kyrie Irving. I think, I mean, Steve Nash probably is, will learn that soon enough. Right. And Al Horford leaving. I don't think that was because of, of, of Brad Stevens. What do you think it's just because he lost control of the team? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's part of it. I think he was made it pretty clear that, you know, 
the, the relationship with Kyrie, the entire state of the team, I think there was sort of, did he say it actually that if he had known that Kemba was coming, he, he might've stayed like, so. He didn't, he didn't say that right, but he, he didn't, he's, he had a quick comment yeah. about it. And then the numbers wouldn't have worked. There's all the stuff that you can, whatever. They can say yeah. that it wouldn't have, they wouldn't have been able to make it work necessarily anyway. But um, just the, the way that that season went and the way that that very brief little era sort of collapsed in on itself. I don't think you can just absolve the head coach of that. And I also think when you get into the playoffs, like, yeah, I think he got outcoached by Nick Nurse as well. They won the series because they were a better team. But, um, you know, if you're talking about tactical level, like, is he the eighth best tactical? I don't know. It's not, he's not the third best. He's not the absolute best man manager. And again, I am not, I'm absolutely not calling him for like to be fired. But if you're talking about where is he in the hierarchy of coaches, like he's not, the absolute best coach in the league right now, I think it's fair to, or, you know, in the top tier of them. Like, yeah. I think that that's a reasonable thing to say. And this yeah. is just another part that plays into it. Like why is the guy who he has this relationship with wanting to leave the team? Is there something that could have been managed better along the way? Again, maybe it's not, maybe all these things are just independent things and this is the way it goes. But uh, you know, I, I, I think know. to your point, right. I mean, I think the last point you made is the biggest one I have right now with, with Brad Stevens and like in the, the Hayward relationship and, you know, this is of any guy that you'd hope be able to manage that, you know, or, or just help, you know, keep the buy-in or figure out what's going on there, or at least have, you know, the, the knowledge to give Danny Ainge a heads up being like, Hey, I don't know if Gordon is like, we don't know. He didn't do like, that. We, we, I mean, that's true. That could have happened anyway. And they just said, Oh, we're going to, we're going to try to play this out. Cause we're, we think we have a chance at this last season. Um, and to, but to Ryan back to like, defend Brad Stevens a little bit there. I, I think kind of, you know, the front off, you know, I do think he was out coaching those series, but I also think he was a guy short off the bench with Hayward hurt and yeah, I'm not, had very uh, limited options. I, I, I put just as much of the blame pie on like the front office for that as like Stevens in terms of the, the coaching stuff. Like, I don't have a problem with that. Like, I don't think it's been the best couple, you know, the best couple of years for the front office either. Uh, in both cases though, you're, there's a slight degradation of this, right? There was a time not that long ago where it was like, oh, they have one of the top three front offices and one of the top three or five head coaches. And now it's like, maybe they have one of the top 10 front offices and one of the top 10 head coaches, which is still very good. Um, and they have made three of the last four uh, conference finals. Like this is not a bad team. It's not a bad front office. It's not a bad coaching staff. They, the, the thing that they've done the best with over the last couple of years is making some very astute, including the, one of the best draft decisions you'll ever see with, with Tatum and developing young players, which is really important, like hugely important. It's why they've gotten to where they want. So it, it's not like every single thing is a negative. This is not, no, of course not the Knicks being coached by Mike Woodson or something like this is still a Sm- good situation, but the small margin of error at the top to yeah, like between absolutely. good and great. If we hold all the players to that standard, why, why not also hold the coaching and front office to that standard? It's I guess where I'm coming from. For sure. Um, let's, Let's pivot to wrap up uh, to the draft for a second. Um, unless we have any, I mean, any closing thoughts on the Hayward situation before we talk draft or. I was just say to bring it full circle. That's, you know, when we talk about what's, what, what kind of fucked up that the most recent error, that Kyrie Irving era of, of Celtics basketball, it's that first injury, right? I mean, that, that really changed everything. And the theme throughout is that Gordon was not able to stay on the court. Right. And I don't know what anyone was going to do to fix that important point that we we did not bring up this but like that it is like the whole everything changed with that and it's never 
we saw glimpses of, I think, Herod at his best at points during this past season, but then they were derailed with injuries in the midst of those. So, um, again, that makes me – who is going to throw big money at a guy that's been dealing with – that's been that snake bitten? I'm not sure, um, but it will be interesting to watch on Friday. But we go to the draft now. Um, Rich, the the draft pile – of picks is is gone now officially and it was, it, it was a good run it was a good run they got two new seconds but that's just true we got a couple of seconds they got a couple of seconds <laughs> for number 30 um they, i i i don't watch a ton of college basketball so i'm you know ryan and i had max Cronin on who i wanted to laugh at how much probably he hated all the Celtics picks last night it was all guys he was not <laughs> enough but I kind of liked it in the sense that they at least got they got shooters. They like filled a need, and I think somewhere where you know the the drafting hasn't been great, at least outside of the top ten, obviously in the last few years, is you know getting guys that aren't going to get on the floor under Brad Stevens. And at least I think in Neesmith and Pritchard, it's a couple guys that are look like they're ready to help now, and they you know at least are, can hit threes against the zone. You guys see that Pritchard's older than Tatum? I don't know if that's been mentioned a bunch already, but. No. Find that. Yep. What's he? Pretty He's a month older, right? He was born in January of 98 and then Tatum's March of, of 98. So he's like a month and a half older, but still wild. And uh, yeah, anytime you can get a guy when they say the best shooter in the draft, we're talking about, uh, you know, Neesmith. That's, uh, that's uh, what, what we can say, a 3 and D guy. That's, that, that's a nice, if, if he takes, just takes Shemi's minutes to start. You know, I'll, we, we can go. We can go from there, but it's. It, I, I have no problem with the draft. I don't know. Like you said, we, I don't watch too much college hoops, um, but uh, looks promising. And I got a guy named Yam. <laughs> How cool is that? Yeah, he. Uh, I can give the, an in-depth scouting report on Yam now. Uh, now, um, this guy's own emoji. <laughs> who, who knew there was a Yam emoji? It's is huge. it brand new just for him, or? Um, yeah, I mean, so we obviously did have Max on, and um, it's funny if you go back and listen to that episode, like how much he, how much of a disdain he has for some of the, the players who, uh, who the Celtics ended up taking, and how the players who he really, really wanted them to take were all there, and in some cases went to like, one went to the Sixers, <laughs> like it's a, uh, it's pretty funny, um, and they were doing a live show that night that I was actually listening to instead of watching the ESPN feed because ESPN is so far behind what everybody's actually announcing on on Twitter, you know, we'll just and Shams are breaking every single pick and they're talking two picks behind. So um, I was off Twitter for the draft and I loved it. That was yeah, nice. I'm never off Twitter. I don't know how um, I'm addicted, <laughs> but their show, like it was Max is also a Celtics fan. He was just like devastated when, when the picks came in, uh, which I find to be a little bit funny. I mean, I, I'm, I always say I'm a draft nihilist. Like I don't believe that anybody should be that strongly invested in like their analysis of picks. There's obviously a large difference between the guy who's the first overall pick and the guy who's the 30th overall pick, but there's not really a difference between the guy who's 14th and the guy who's 19th. It just isn't. Like, they're all in the same grouping. Go for it if there's a guy you like. But there's this thing of people are, like, dying on there. Like, oh, my God, I can't believe they didn't take Tyrese Maxey. This was, he was right there. He's perfect. He's the guy. He has to be the one. And the guy who they took is a stiff, and he's never going to be anything more than a role player. And why would you do that? And I'm just like, nobody knows this. Stop being so confident in your own analysis. <laughs> yeah. I was like, how, like how, many, how many weeks ago did you realize Tyrese Maxey exists? You well, know some of I mean? these people, like, draft Twitter. Like, they watch a ton of video. Like, that's great. I'm like, that, you just, there's no amount of video that you can watch where you're going to beat the draft. I promise everybody, 
all of the teams, even the bad teams, even the teams that don't draft well, have a lot of people who watch all the video. Oh, yeah. Like the Celtics have multiple people who have watched every relevant minute of all of the draft guys who they were considering entire lives. Like this is just, it's not a matter of like that you can out video watch. And, and if people want to play in that space and have it be their hobby or job or whatever it might be, then, then that's fine. Just like don't get too attached to your own specific evaluations and try to keep like a big picture here of that all of these guys are probably going to fail, <laughs> you know, oh, not, not literally all of them, but like more of them are going to fail than are going to become anything really important. Um, so, I, you know, I, I sort of come at it from that standpoint. I, I don't mind the, the Neesmith pick. Um, I know what, again, when we talked to him on that episode, I think the point that I had brought up with what Max was saying about him was like, if he's, whenever you have a guy whose singular talent is shooting, there is a risk that like they get off to a bad start and they shoot 34% in the first 200 shots of their career and just like never recover from it. They just get a reputation and they're, they don't get another chance and they end up on another team as a second draft guy. And maybe they work out somewhere else, but like, are there any have, examples of that you can think of? I'm not saying they don't exist. I just like to put a name to the, uh, I mean, Spencer Witty, uh, <laughs> uh, Chris Middleton, those guys weren't as highly drafted, uh, but yeah, I mean, you can just get off to a, yeah, Carson Edwards. We'll see. <laughs> um, yeah, right. And, and like that can happen if you just have a, a particularly variable skill. To, but I don't think Neesmith is exactly that from what I can tell. And again, I don't know anything about him really. But like anytime you draft a guy who's 6'6 six, six with a 6'11 wingspan and, a, you know, pretty solid muscles, right? Whatever, like he's not in the Ojale factory exactly. But like this is not like a, a lightweight guy. It's not RJ Hunter. Um, and he has some amount of offensive skills. Like to me, that's actually a pretty high upside pick almost always like just they have those are the guys who go 14th or 25th or whatever in the draft because they have some holes and then they become clay thompson unfortunately with the injury uh that we, we heard about today but also you know chris middleton and jimmy butler and paul george is a little bit bigger um Kawhi leonard like none of those guys were known to be all nba players or they would have all been the first pick in their classes like they're all just sort of fit this profile like oh yeah they're about that size and they have these skills and they have a good nba body and that is sort of by nature a high upside play. So to me, it's actually a relatively big swing of like, if he can't, if he has a bad shooting stretch and he ends up not working out and losing the trust of the coaching staff, then it could be a bust. But like, he also does have the profile of somebody who could break out and be really good. And so um, I don't know. I don't, I don't have a problem with it. I, but you go back to the idea of like, I wouldn't have really had a problem if they picked 10 other guys as well, because I don't know that much about him and they're all probably kind of the same. <laughs> Just don't pick a center. I'm happy. (laughs) And I guess the biggest thing is they're, they're going to get a shot right away because Romeo Lankford's hurt. Um, Shemi Ojale is probably going to be gone. Uh, Brad Wademaker, I'd imagine there's a chance he's back, but he's probably going to be gone. And who knows? And Gordon Hayward could be gone too. So. Well, they need wings. I mean, they they definitely need wings. That has a ton of wings, but especially if Hayward leaves, like they need wings. Everybody needs wings, needs wings. They need, they need wings. If Hayward's leaving. Cause I, like Ojale might come back in under some circumstances, but like we know that you don't want him playing on the wing for you. It's just if you have no choice. So and so they're gonna know. probably they'll have to add a guy it. or two in free agency. But yeah, it's good, you know. Getting a point backup point guard was a need, um, and a wing was a need, and they got a couple of shooters of those spots that are arguably some of the best in the class. Um so it'll be interesting to see them just hit the ground running without summer league. Like, how do you, like, training camp, Rich, just them, I mean, guys will probably be joining mid-training camp, 
depending on like quarantining and depending on when they sign in free agency or when trades go down, it, it should be pretty just nuts in the next month. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. It's nuts. I think about the time of this game and it's going to be the worst quality basketball anybody's ever <laughs> seen for Christmas game. <laughs> Three torn ACLs for Christmas. Oh, God. Uh. I don't know, the Pritchard pick is everybody hates that pick. Like everybody within Celtics square, which is not real life. That's just one slice of it. But like everybody hates that pick. And I'm just like, they need a backup point guard. And I don't know. Seems fine. He shoots <laughs> from the parking lot from the highlights. He, there's... He's 6'2". Like, he looks tiny, but he's, this isn't like TJ McConnell. Like, I think people look at him like, why are we drafting TJ McConnell? He's this, like, little white guy. And you're like, he's actually, like, 6'2". He's, he, was the, well, he was the point guard of the year last year, and in all of college, he can shoot. Yeah, the he's, Bob Cousy uh, Whatever. Word. There's tons of those guys, too. Like, again, if you're – so I said, if you're in that sort of area where the Celtics are drafting, you draft wings, sometimes they break out and turn good. If you're looking for backup point guards, there's just so many backup point guards that have been drafted between like 25 and 45, and they all look kind of like this. They're like a lot of older players who had really good success in college, and they come in and they play as backup point guards for four or five years, and then you get another one. It's fine. Got a shout-out from Dame Lillard on Twitter. That's good enough for me. <laughs> Pritchard did, not me. Big right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, congrats, Dad. That was for you, Rich. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, time for me to go back to dadding. Indeed. All right. Well, thanks for coming back aboard. Um, yes. Hopefully, we'll have some be able to sneak tomorrow morning. Out. Tomorrow yeah. morning, where this is all where this is all it's obsolete all be settled. because everything everything has changed. Uh, we can we can get back together and and discuss again. All right. We'll get this posted hopefully within ten minutes before it gets too dated. But um, hit us up at Winning Plays Pod on Twitter. Uh, hit Rich up at Rich underscore Levine at Danger Cart at Brian T Rob. And we'll be back with you guys. We'll hopefully try. If something big happens, we'll be back this weekend uh, with an update on everything. And uh, as always, thanks for listening.